Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Follow your own risk. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can also find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and yes, you may also follow him at your own risk. Um, I've been pretty good lately. Come on. Let's talk to basketball. True. Um, but you can also follow us at uh, on the podcast, um, and we feel and feel free to do so because we're terribly non-controversial. At Horizon RT, and you can uh, subscribe wherever podcasts are found, and be sure to uh, visit our website at HorizonRoundtable.com. And Matt, um, we are. It is that time of year again. It is. It's my favorite. I know it is. This is what got me into this podcast years ago. Actually, uh, this is partially true, but this is what kind of got you way more into it. <laughs> got, it got um, me. So yeah, so this we are here at the. This is the 2020, the first episode, first part of the 2020 Horizon Roundtable Fall Fan Forum. So, um, and I gotta and I gotta admit, this is probably this is a. This is quite an event because we have quite a few individuals here this year. Um, uh, sad to say, we are we we thought we were going to have for the first time ever representation from all Horizon League schools, but unfortunately, that does not appear to be that that does not appear like that's going to be the case. Unfortunately, um, it happens. You know, we, we we used to get mad about it, but now it's like, eh, I mean. It happens. So, it happens, um, exactly. so yeah. Without any further ado, um, I I want to get everybody in and uh, introduce everybody and uh, introduce yourselves more to the point. Uh, so we'll just go ahead and do this all, whole thing in a- alphabetical order uh, of your school. So starting off is Cleveland State and Craig. Craig, welcome. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Craig. Uh, well, I graduated from Cleveland State in 2013. I've been a season ticket holder for the basketball team every year since then. Um, I've been going to Cleveland State games uh, with my dad since I was a kid, so I've been around since about the year 2000, um, and I'm happy to be here. Hopefully we'll have a good discussion. All right, great. Sounds wonderful. Um, and Detroit Mercy, welcome, uh, welcome back again, uh, Rick Neaton. Um, hi guys, Rick Neaton. I'm the old fart of the panel. I graduated from the University of Detroit in 1972 and have been a season ticket holder and uh, supporter of the men's basketball team since 1981. And uh, hopefully I can provide some perspective about the school. And uh, I'm looking forward to the fan forum this year. And you make me feel so much better. I'm usually the resident old guy. Appreciate it. Uh, well, thanks for Rick. Is he, he's the old guy on the panel, but he's one of the young guys as far as Detroit Mercy fan goes. Oh, okay. Moving oh. on. <laughs> uh, moving on. Green Bay, Kevin. Hi. I'm Kevin. I'm a, a Green Bay season ticket holder. I've had season tickets for about seven years uh, following the program. I'm a busy life. I'm happy. All right, all right. Uh, moving on, we have a we have uh, IUPY Jacob. Please introduce yourself. 
Hey, I'm Jacob Clam. I'm a sophomore at IUPUI. I'm a part of the group that's like in charge of the Jag Pounds, so go Jags. Ah, uh, yes, finally. IUPUI fans, you don't know how happy we are for that. So, so happy. Um, We're all happy. <laughs> all right, uh, moving along, we got, uh, let's see here. Uh, moving along, I'm. I have no concept of alphabetical order anymore. Uh, so let's go with Milwaukee. Brandon. Hey, um, I'm a junior here at uh, UWM. Grew up uh, just outside Milwaukee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ever since coming here, I've been a big fan. Try to get to as many games as I can. And uh, hopefully I can provide some insight for our team this year. Well, welcome aboard. I know, you've been, I know you were very... Uh, Glad you're here this time around. All right. Yeah. All right. And uh, so Oakland, Oakland, Ken, welcome. Oakland, Ken. Hey, what's up? My name is Ken Williams. I'm resident Detroiter. Um, been a basketball fan for years. I've coached around the metro Detroit area for the last 15 years, and I'm a big Oakland fan. So. There you go. All right. Well, welcome aboard, sir. Uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Uh, Travis, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Uh Excited to uh, be a part of this one. So a little bit about me. I actually graduated from Purdue West Lafayette. Um, so that's kind of a joke between Purdue Fort Wayne and, and Purdue West Lafayette. But uh, I've been here. Uh, I've been following the Don since the early 2000s when I was actually in elementary school. And now I teach middle school. So it's been quite a while. They were an independent when I started following them. So thanks again for having me on. All right. And we're, we're happy to have you. And, uh, and um you are not the only new uh, new fans. We we welcome as as we have since they came in. Welcome uh, Robert Morris, Chris. Welcome, guys. What's happening? It's so awesome to be part of a new conference. Very exciting. Love getting the opportunity to chat with you guys. I graduated from Robert Morris in 2015. I covered the school for the Rivals Network while I was there, and now I blog for uh, this little site called Chronicling the, the Colonials. So, a bit of a tongue twister. Awesome. Hard to find if you're just typing in the URL. So, uh, but that's that's where we keep things going. All right. And, and well, Chris has a check mark, so you know he's important. I know. That's just I mean, pure luck. Have... Not not important. Not important. Believe me. Yeah, we don't have a check. Jeez. No. We... We suck. <laughs> All right. Um, and also, uh, welcome to uh, to Nico over at uh, Youngstown State. Welcome, sir. Hello. I'm a, Hello. Uh, Hello. A little about me. I'm a, I'm actually a grad student at Youngstown State. Um, I've been attending YSU games since the Jerry Slocum era, which was awesome. somewhat miserable. But with, with Calhoun there, I think there's hope. All right, sounds great. And last but not least, he just jumped in, uh, Joe Scott representing uh, UIC. Welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm glad I was able to get onto the call. Had some Skype issues. Uh, but real quick about me, uh, I played at UIC. I was actually uh, I played for the MCC before it turned into the Horizon. So uh, back then, Horizon and MCC. And uh, right now I'm just an alumni fan. Stay around the game as much as possible. So, yeah, looking forward to the talk, guys. All right, and we're happy to have you. Um, like I said, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, Northern Kentucky is not going to be represented, and we're not sure where Banana Man is, uh, Mathis Amadon. I know he was going to be on. I don't know where he is right now. I'm sure he'll pop in eventually. At least we hope he will. Um, Nothing worse than a lost banana. 
Yeah, especially if it sits out too long. Um, you know, the, anyway. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna have to make uh, banana bread. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's. All yeah, right, move on. We stop it. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah. So this is gonna be, you know, in in years past, obviously we've had a lot of different things to talk about, but. This year, I guess we should be jazzed that we actually have a season to look forward to. <laughs> um, so now that we know that, uh, I guess my first question to all of you is, how worried were you that this wasn't going to be the case? Honestly, for me, I, I think that the uh, the power of the almighty dollar, so if there was any way possible they could get this year going, they were going to. I mean, for the... Uh, D2, D3 schools, who knows what's going to happen with them, but the NCAA, they can't miss another year of March Madness. So, you know, if there was any way possible they could get things going this year, I, I was confident they were going to. There you go. Well, well, no, I'm just happy that they did get it going because uh, I'm a diehard basketball fan, and it'll be boring to fail without it during my winter months. So, hey. Yeah. I have to watch a lot of eSports. I haven't gotten into that yet, so... <laughs> Not you realize I could have done that, but I just didn't. Um, so, so now that the season has now now that it does exist, obviously the NCAA has kind of modified things for the upcoming season. Instead of the second week of November, the it's uh, everything is going to start off on November twenty fifth. Um, I'm guessing they did that by design because November 25th is literally the day before Thanksgiving, which is which apparently nothing is being nothing else is going on that day. So I'm guessing they did that by design. But the other things too that they did, they made changes to the scheduling. Um, there is now a kind of a minimum of all teams have to play a minimum of 13 games, I believe, and then. Um, they can max out at um, sounds like 27 if they're playing in an exempt tournament um, or 25 otherwise. So with that ruling, obviously, no matter what, the schedule's going to have to be overhauled because, as we all know, there were a lot of teams that were scheduling games way right at the very beginning. I know Cleveland State, for example, was going to start out the season on November 10th at Nebraska, and I'm sure that other Horizon League schools are in the same boat. So um, how do you guys think that's going to affect how your team uh, is is scheduling at this point? Um, I think this could be a really positive thing for, for mid-majors and mid-major conferences. So, you know, if you take my school, Robert Morris, for example – you know, what What reason does Pitt have to not schedule Robert Morris this year with a schedule overhaul, a school 20 minutes down the road? I think that we could see a lot of these high major power five conferences look toward their local mid-major schools, and it could really benefit some of these mid-majors here. Well, I kind of see I don't it know. on the flip side of it. Um, I kind of see it on the flip side, um, whereas, you know, with more games, schools would um, I think a lot of the bigger schools will give the mid-major schools those games kind of as mercy games, like, okay, yeah, let's throw it in. But now with those uh, games being a little bit more limited, they may be a little bit more reluctant to give them to those mid-major schools as opposed to going out and getting a bigger non-conference school. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the bigger schools have less of a reason to entertain anything outside of their conference with these new changes. I mean, there's obviously bigger schools don't like playing mid-majors they could possibly lose to in the first place. They don't want to play those competitive games. And with this new scheduling, it's just a reason or an excuse for them to not even consider them. For the mid-major schools, I think these scheduling changes aren't going to impact things much because with the scheduling, you try to do the best you can to help your RPI, your strength of schedule, but pretty much the horizon, especially the Horizon League team, they're not getting that large bid, right? So the focus is really going to be on winning conference. So, you know, they're not really going to have to worry about these non-conference games. They lose and they lose them. It could have been games where they could have got some more experience earlier in the season, but as always, the focus is going to be on conference. So I don't think it's going to hurt the mid-majors. And like I say, for the, the bigger conferences, mid-majors aren't going to get those games, I don't think, because I think they're going to chop the mid-major games before they do anything else and focus on their conference. Well, if the if the Horizon League's only going to play a 22-game conference schedule, it doesn't leave many alternatives other than an MTE for uh, for uh, the rest of our members. So you might have two or three uh, options of uh, non-conference games beyond a MTE. I'm glad you brought that up, Rick, because obviously now that we now that the Horizon League is a 12-team conference. Um, I don't know if there was ever a conversation where they were going to jump to because every team before this was always playing an 18 game schedule and I don't remember if there was ever a conversation about potentially playing a 20 game schedule we assumed when Fort Wayne came in it was going to be a 20 game schedule but now that we have um, Robert Morris coming in we, you know, that, that adds a new wrinkle to it. So I guess the question that I have would be, would this be something that in, in the case of um, the Horizon League, do we see a schedule where not everybody's going to play each other twice? You could. I know that Detroit, we were scheduling for 20 conference games before COVID, and we were going to have the uh, three-game MTE with Kentucky, and then uh, maybe eight or nine non-conference games, including a couple buy-in games, uh, possibly at Ohio State and Indiana, but those are all on the shelf now. Uh, I don't have any further information about whether we're going to play 20 or 22 conference games yet. I don't know if there's any official ruling that has come out of uh, LaCroneville to uh, determine what our conference schedule will be. But I would bank on at least 20. Yeah. Well, that would make sense. And obviously, um, and again, given the truncated time frame that we're working on now, because um, you got to think that, you know, between the, t- the 10th and the 25th, there was going to be at least, you know, three or four non-conference games going on with the, with, with the conference. So maybe that is... Maybe they're going to take that into account, um, which leads me to actually my next question, which is, um, and Rick, I know you remember this, and a lot of a lot of you know the folks who on this uh, on this podcast who've been following the Horizon League for any given amount of time, and I know we've talked about it on the podcast multiple times. Back in the day, and it wasn't very long ago; it was just a few years ago, where the Horizon League had started playing conference games in in early December. Just a slate of games, not a whole bunch of them, but a slate of games, and it was a, it was a situation where 
you know, they got the they got the conference start, the conference late started early. Now a lot of major conferences are doing that now too. Like for example, the Big Ten does this as well. Is this something that, especially this year, is this something? And also considering that we now have an uh, an extra set of games going that that we're potentially looking at, um, is that something that the we're going to see the Horizon League do again? Start their you know start in early December as opposed to at the end of December that they the way they've been doing it previously. Well, they're going to have to start them in December if they're going to finish twenty two games uh, by the first of March, so that we can have a tournament and then uh, participate in the NCAA tournament. Um, also. Uh, most of us starting two weeks later, I don't think it's going to make a, a big difference in the schedule. Um, most of the schools were going to be closed uh, on campus from Thanksgiving until the end of semester. I know at Detroit they were going to go to remote from Thanksgiving through the end of the uh, t exam period, and they weren't going to have kids back on campus until January. So this works out just perfectly. And we're going to be playing in the Kentucky bubble sometime starting on uh, November 25th, three games in about five days uh, as part of that MTE. After that, I don't know, and I don't think our uh, uh, director of basketball operations knows yet uh, what the rest of the schedule is going to be because we have a lot of home-and-home. Home. We have several home-and-homes we have to return from last year, too. So there's a lot of uh, floating um, floating variables here that, at least from our end in Detroit, we haven't resolved yet. Huh. i got to give Detroit some credit, too, because they are going to use that Calipari connection and get into that Kentucky area, and I think that's going to be a, a really good place for them for scheduling and seeing what their team's all about getting into conference. So I, I give props to them on that, for sure. You know, I, I, I personally worry a little bit about the fact that we've gotten rid of some of these non-conference buy games most likely because how many of these schools operate with a budget that is, you know, for all their other sports, it's built off of these buy games. I mean, a lot of these schools don't have football. They're going to need to find some of these buy games to get some money for the rest of their athletic programs. So I, I don't know if we see the Horizon League starting in December. The Summit League used to do that uh, for like one weekend. They'd play two games um, and then they would take a month off and then resume the rest of the conference schedule. But I, I don't know. I think some of these schools are going to have to find buy games. Like Purdue-Fort Wayne had uh, like a two-game road trip, uh, the Horizon League Summit League um, challenge. They were going to go to Omaha is what it sounds like, and then also play Nebraska while they were out there. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, I would anticipate maybe after Christmas break. I'm glad you brought up the Summit League, Travis, because one of the lingering questions that I now have is this: the the Summit League Horizon League Challenge that was supposed to happen, is it going to happen now? Yeah, I, I don't know if anyone knows that one. To be honest with you, I'm hoping it does because I think there's a lot of a, a lot of parity between the two leagues. I think it would be interesting to see. You know, a South Dakota State or a North Dakota State play Wright State or Northern Kentucky. 
And, like, Omaha has been good the past few years, playing Purdue-Fort Wayne. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the Summit League. You guys might not be as familiar with as I am, just like I'm not as familiar with the Horizon League right now. I really hope they have it. They just don't need to pin it down to a particular day or weekend or four days. Just play the game whenever you can between November 25th and first year. And I'm actually also very glad you brought up the the question of buy games, Travis, because um, obviously this has been a, a, a central topic on at least one podcast episode. Isn't that right, Matt? I think we had a wonderful conversation. I hope people listen to that one because it was a really good podcast. Yeah, I felt really the, good about that. Yeah, we, it was a couple episodes ago. It was with uh, – uh, we brought on Jim Saro, um, who has, has quite a few – who was uh, – who, who was very passionate about his 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 thoughts on uh, on buy games and things along that and things that are related to that. Um, but I want to and, and Travis, I know you 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 express some concern that the buy games aren't nece- are are very important in terms of um, the overall picture with athletics. Um, and I guess I'd like to you know, open that up to the rest of the group. Um, of where you all place kind of the importance of the, the buy games into um, not just the, not just you know from a macro athletics level, but from a competitive level with your individual teams. Well, speaking from the Robert Morris perspective, uh, Andy Tool, the the head coach there, has always placed a pretty good emphasis on playing a really competitive non-conference schedule if you just look through uh robert morris's kempom page and look at their strength of schedule non-conference it's typically within the top 100 or uh right right around uh 100 overall so uh yeah i mean for for the robert morris program i think the first and foremost you know they want those buy games for the money that it brings the athletic department but um i do personally kind of it's exciting you know when you're getting ready to play notre dame or you're getting ready to play marquette uh you want to see where you stack up with those teams even if it's early in the season uh and just kind of feel like hey maybe we have a chance at an upset today so i think they're fun and they're they're really good at least they're fun uh with the anticipation of them much less the the result but uh, the, they're fun with the anticipation of it, and they're really important for the athletic department at large, too. I, I totally agree with that because, I mean, you look back a couple years ago when Purdue-Fort Wayne was able to host IU, and that was basically a, a bye game, really. They they brought in a lot of people into Fort Wayne. You know, it's about a three-hour drive from Bloomington, and that brought so much national recognition, the actual, you know, being able to win that. I, I really love buy games for that reason. Every, you know, every now and then they might just surprise, and you have a lot of uh, recruits that are watching that most likely and saying, "Wow, this team, you know, could beat a Big Ten team. Maybe we should go there." So I, I think they're great. And again, I think some of your sports, like your track and your, uh, you know, volleyball, they really need, they really need that cash that's brought in from those buy games. Does it? How important is it? Does, does it matter that you know most of these aren't ever going to get a return game? I mean, you get the rare occasion where, for example, Youngstown State had uh, brought West Virginia into the Covelli Center. Um, Cleveland State used to do this 
years ago, not recently. Well, not well, technically, you know, they had DePaul, but you know, it's DePaul. But, um, <laughs> um, but and then very in the very near future, um, Oakland is bringing going to have uh, you know Oklahoma State at the arena. Theoretically, that's still going to happen because it's way far in the future, and you know, theoretically, we'll be in a post-COVID world by then. Finally. Um, but I guess the I know there's always been a question, and this is this this goes back decades with 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 the Horizon League and the the question of you know the question of scheduling home games with you know prominent you know higher profile teams, and 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 to Rick's point, you know those those games are always at a premium. It, so I guess the question again is: Does it matter? How how does it really matter that you're going to get the you, know, you you can get these buy games um, this year being kind of an outlier I think, and not expect you know and not ever and not really ever expect to have them come back to your home gym. That's well, the way the system is set up. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick, that's the way the system is set up. And, I mean, for most of these mid-major teams, especially those who might not be uh, a team that could potentially go into an arena of one of these big six conference teams and win a game, you know you know what it is. You, you sign up, you get your money, you help out your athletic program. The home-and-home home would be nice. Uh, just for an example, uh, UIC used to play U of I every year. We used to have home-and-homes. And one year UIC went down to U of I in, like, 1998, and lost by two down in Champaign, and they made the decision, we no longer have home and home. Now we play every three years on a neutral site. So these games are cool, and they're fun, as long as the big schools aren't putting themselves in jeopardy of losing. And they never will. So for, it's unfortunate, but for the mid-majors, hey, take your money. And uh, when those home and homes do come, appreciate them, but it's just rare. Yeah, the net ratings are stacked in favor of the power conferences because they count strength of schedule so much in their ratings. And so as a mid-major, you have to play some of these buy games on the road. And if you play them on the road, it only counts as half a point or half a loss to you if you lose. So it doesn't hurt the mid-major to lose on the road to the power conference. And, and I don't understand why the power conferences won't come and play at the mid-majors since it only counts half a point, but they don't want to. And strength of schedule is incestuous. The, long, the more <clears throat> Horizon League games we play, um, theoretically, the weaker our strength of schedule becomes because the worst team in the ACC is always ranked higher than or equal to the best team in the Horizon League. So it becomes a self-fulfilling uh, algorithm in the NCAA net rating. And unless you go outside your conference and play a couple of these games, like Oakland does, like we do, uh, and like other teams do, your strength of schedule is going to go into the toilet. Yeah, well, the, um, the, for, for most of the, the, the big six schools, they don't want to take a risk coming to uh, you know, a Horizon League school and take a bad loss before their conference season starts, especially those those uh, middle to bottom tier teams in those conferences who don't necessarily have a lock at getting in the tournament. Uh, one thing for Cleveland State, they used to do the McClendon, um, um, the John McClendon uh, tournament 
where they'd have they'd play two road games and they'd get a team to come to Cleveland for one, and that was actually a really really great thing they used to do. Unfortunately, they don't do that anymore. Just want to see. Do we have anyone? Like it, it's it seems like what we're talking about is just cowardice from from the big schools, right? I mean, uh, if if we're going to put it simply, like they don't want to risk but, losing but to a mid major honest, on the road. They're in, yeah, they're that, in the position. They're in the position to be so. Like, yeah, you're probably obviously your your Robert Morris obviously, and I've seen this. Um, the big thing has always been the fact that. You know, you're in the you're in in the closest proximity to Pitt, who uh, who avoids you guys like the plague. <laughs> and Duquesne um, does too. And, du- is, and I don't understand too. the Duquesne one though. That the, the Duquesne one does it that befuddles me a lot. It, 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 that the Robert Morris Duquesne kind of avoided the, the Duquesne's avoidance of of Robert Morris. I would if there's a comparison to make, it would be. The same as Dayton avoiding Wright State, the same, the same, almost the same exact thing. They're close, they're in close proximity, but because Duquesne and, and Dayton feel like they're in a, a a much you know more prominent conference like the A10, and really, how can you say? I mean, you can say that at the top, at the bottom, you still afford them. So I don't know, what to, I don't know what to tell you on that one, um, but. As far as they're concerned, you know they they still even even as good as a Robert Morris or a Wright State has been in recent memory, they still don't want to play them. I'm I'm still and I don't really see the issue. I, I don't. I'm a little. Conf- I've always been a little confused about that, specifically but with the A10, not wanting to play Horizon League schools. I've that. I mean, I can get some of the power. I can kind of get the logic from the Power Six conferences, but the A-10 has always confused me with why they, how they, you know, with, with you know, their avoidance of playing um, a, a Horizon League school, especially one that's, you know, within, you know, five, ten minutes down the road. Like a well, some of the A-10 schools, Bob, are, some of the A-10 schools are former Midwest City Conference yeah. uh, members, and I think they don't want to uh, slum it and play us. Um, I know that's the problem at Detroit that we had in scheduling uh, schools like LaSalle or Dayton in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be easing a little bit. And, and now that I don't, I don't understand that either. What, what's the last thing? Yeah, and what, but what's the last thing that LaSalle has won recently? <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't, you know, they, they, when I think of the top tier of the A-10, LaSalle is never on that list. <laughs> well, they gave Wright State a battle at, at Fort Myers last year. Huh. Yeah, that's true. So but who if, are some who are some of the mid-major conferences that you guys would like the Horizon to, to try and target uh, and play a little bit more in these non-conference schedules? So, so historically... It's been, you know, obviously, historically, you know, the Horizon League has always gotten a lot of, it has been, it has interacted heavily with the MAC, and I don't really expect that to change much, um, just because the MAC schools and the Horizon League schools are in such, uh, they're, they're so close to each other, and, you know, 
I I understand kind of there's a little bit a, a little bit more prestige with the Mac, but the bottom line is they're just not by and large the Mac is just as much of a one bid league as the Horizon League is. If we're being honest. So. Did we lose Bob? Yeah. Yep. Sounds like it. All right. Well, as he was saying, it's you know they're a one bid league right now, but so. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who are the other uh, conferences that I would like to see. I mean, the, the MAC is, I think, the the main one. You know, it, it just, as he was saying, we intertwine with them so much that it only yeah. makes sense. Um, Bob, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we lost you there for a minute, bud. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> um, it's recording. No, you're good. We lost you. Go ahead. Keep going, keep on your train of thought. I'll, I'll get it back out of the way. Well, no, no, no. I actually, I actually stopped my train of thought. But um, yeah, the Mac is one. Obviously, the Summit League, and clearly the Horizon League has figured this one out with the Summit League, which is, you know, hence the reason for the Horizon League Summit League Challenge, which again theoretically may show up this year, may not, depending upon how things things shake out. One other conference I would see, I would be very interested in seeing, um, is the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, I think that would be one that, uh, just given its proximity to, say, Northern Kentucky, would be, and again, kind of that, if you kind of get all of those regional, you you pretty much, if you could get the, if you could get the MAC, the Horizon League, the Summit League, and the Ohio Valley Conference kind of all together, you know, that would solve a lot of the... The, the lingering scheduling headaches that we've experienced that I know all Horizon League schools have experienced over the years, and, and I don't think that's I don't think I'm telling tales out of school on that one. Nobody's got anything. Yeah, um, I'm throwing the Missouri Valley as well. Like when Green Bay has gotten Evansville, Drake, kind of the bottom tier of the Missouri Valley, not necessarily your Northern Iowa. Yeah, I think no school, but there's good home and home. You can still get with a conference like that that is better. Yeah, we played against several Missouri Valley schools last year at IUPUI. Yeah. Evansville and uh-huh. Valpo are both in Indiana, so those are those are good deals for us. That's a good yeah. question. Where does the uh, now? Uh, I guess that's a better question. I have this. Where does the where does where does the Missouri Valley slate with us now? As again, it, it, just like the A10, you have a lot of schools that were former Horizon League schools, like a Valpo, like a like a Loyola Chicago, like in Evansville from long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, is there? And, and they seem to be a little bit more. And it always seemed to me that they seemed a little bit more. They um, accommodating, if you will, to scheduling Horizon League schools. Do they always schedule home and homes? Not all the time, but the same the bottom line is, you know, do we do we include the Missouri Valley in that group of conferences that we we should that the Horizon League should be kind of working with in terms of scheduling? Or are they do, or are they at, uh, do does the Missouri Valley feel like they're at the same point at same level as an A10? And they can afford to avoid the Horizon League school. 
I, you know, I think in the past, like Purdue Fort Wayne has played over at Bradley multiple times and Illinois State. And before, before Valpo was in the Missouri Valley, we had a home and home with them every year, and that's since gone away. So I think kind of the Missouri Valley is one of those, uh, they're more on par, I'd say, with the A10. I honestly think sometimes when Purdue Fort Wayne has played them, that they're probably a smaller buy game. Um, they've gotten some money from going over and playing there, and there's never been a return trip. So I think it's more on par with the A10 myself. And but you you are correct. I know the last time that Cleveland State played Missouri State, Missouri State actually paid Cleveland State to play there. So uh, some of uh, which is funny because you know when you think of teams with you know Missouri Valley teams with money, <laughs> I don't necessarily think of you know, I don't necessarily think of uh, of Missouri State. At the same time, they're all probably using the uh, the Loyola Final Four money too. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you've got Northern Iowa that's always really competitive. And, uh, I mean, they always seem to have a, a really solid tournament team every year. It just depends on who it is. Very true. Um, I wanted to, do, I, I wanted to go, get back to something that Rick had mentioned um, with regards to uh, the, the still lingering MTE with uh, – with, Detroit Mercy and Kentucky. You mentioned that you you mentioned the concept of the bubble, and obviously that's a big popular. That's obviously uh, something that a lot of people are discussing now, especially with how the NBA was able to make you know, make the whole the whole concept of the bubble work. Is that something we're going to see specifically in the non conference? And more to the point, is it something we might see come? come March for the Horizon League tournament because there have been this and I actually saw this the other day Indianapolis has actually had been having a discussion about putting a bubble like environment in their convention center and the the guy the the I guess the same group that uh, that does the marketing for the Horizon League tournament at the at the at the at the Farmers Arena is apparently running point on trying to plan for that as well. Do we think that that might be something that they want to do uh, that, you know, that they do or we are, or will we be, do we think we're going to be at a point in March where these bubbles aren't going to make a difference? I'm ready to put the suit. I on think them. they're going to be, and they have to be with the NBA setting an example they did with the current bubble and having <laughs> zero COVID tests so far. I mean, these tournaments and the revenue that comes from the postseason play, they can't miss out on that again. So even if things, do get better, I think they have to take those precautions because this means too much for them to let something pop up. So whether it be a change to the way the tournament's done, I don't think there'll be as many locations as there have been over the years, like skipping first, second round, new location, new location. I think they'll centralize the first couple of rounds a little bit more. The way conferences handle uh, the conference tourneys is going to be similar to the bubble. So I think everybody's going to be taking best practices from the NBA and incorporating it into their own conferences and the NCAA as a whole. I mean, the, the blueprint is there. Why not follow it? Nico, what do you think? I'm just trying to make sure we get into everybody here, too. Nico, we haven't heard from you. Do you have any thoughts on the bubble? Um, it's a good idea, I think. Keep everybody safe. Yeah. Then, the, yeah. the thing I worry about is... Players sweat all over the floor. The referees could be wearing masks. Some of those referees are not... um, They're not young. Some of those are 
older referees, and I'm worried about I'm worried about their health. I think that's a good point because unlike the NBA, where you just have NBA referees, the Horizon does share you know a lot of referees with other yeah. leagues. I, I do wonder if any. I mean, I'm sure there's smarter people than any of us thinking about it, but the the referee standpoint of just how referees are shared between leagues is something that will definitely be a factor in all this for them. Here's what I'm. Th- here's the, here. And I'm glad you brought. I'm br- glad you brought the refs part up, uh, Nico, because if, if going back to the Horizon League tournament this past <laughs> this past March, if I'm not mistaken, one of the refs during one of the games actually tested positive for COVID during, after after the tournament. I know for well, sure. Well, what I'm, happened was we true. share refs with the Metro with Atlantic, the Metro Conference. Atlantic Conference and. Our, uh, and our head official is also the head official of the MAAC, and he and one other ref that tested positive at the MAAC tournament, which started three days after the Horizon uh, tournament ended. Uh, and nobody, I don't think that there was a breakout in the Horizon League from COVID, uh, and it would be likely that those guys had COVID when they officiated the semis and the finals at uh, Indy. Well, actually, there. Um, uh, let's not forget on the women's side that there was a uh, – remember, uh, on the women's side, uh, Chris Kilsmeyer, the the head coach at uh, Cleveland State, he actually tested positive. And he, he – yeah, he, he, that, was, that was pretty scary. I think with those things in mind, though, I think if they plan to do something similar – moving forward with those things in mind and, and we again we know a lot more now than we did back when you know back in March so I, and again using the using the NBA as kind of the template I'm sure that you know if if it comes down to a bubble type atmosphere for you know anything being be it the be it a non-conference uh, tournament be it the conference, you know, be it the Horizon League tournament, be it whatever. I think they're a little more. There, there's a little more in the. I think there would be a little bit more in the way of kind of understanding how to modify the operations, not just it, not just with the players, but with the refs and you know the, the support staff. Um, that would be a little bit. That would be considerably different than you know what took place before. If that makes sense. It makes it makes sense to me, but what's going to be the cost to the athletic departments of the member schools in a bubble versus not in a bubble, and what will their budgets be like come the uh, January semester uh, versus what they are now? I know that uh, you know Wright State's in bad financial shape, and they were even before the turn even before COVID hit. Uh, and I know most schools are feeling the pinch, if not all schools are feeling the pinch. And if it's going to cost the school more to play in a bubble and the chance of a player getting COVID is less than 1%, then why wouldn't you play the games? It seems to me as a 70-year-old, the greater risk would be to me as a fan than as attending a tournament than it would be to the players playing it, and that's what all the data now indicates. We didn't know that in March and April, but I think it's pretty clear now. That's true. Hey, with that being said, has anyone heard anything about 
what is the status of fans, or what's you know what's going on in that regard? No, I. That's actually again that that's another factor that I don't think anybody has. I don't think uh, anybody has really thought through yet. Um, and, and I, I guess the original thought that there would be no fans, but I mean, who knows at this point? And and, and it's and you know, the big thing is all. It, it seems like if you look at some of these other, if you look at some of these other. Uh, other sports they're doing it and in, not only other sports others in, in different states are going to do they're all going to do it differently it seems like there's not really a uniform kind of policy going on so you have where where what may be true in say Cleveland may not necessarily be true in Fort Wayne in terms of you know fans being able to be allowed into sporting events or anything like that. So I, I guess it's a, um, unless the, the unless the conference itself sets uh, sets forth or the NCAA as a whole sets forth some unifying uh, some unifying rules in terms of uh, fan attendance. Um, I, I don't know where we're going to go with that. Yeah, because I know for like some Big Ten football schools, I know they're saying family only. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know if that's like if they're going to be across the board or or whatever. And I know with uh, like for I know for example I know um, the ACC specifically Notre Dame. I know most of the you know they're they're limiting the 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 fan uh, they're limiting the attendance to friends, family, and students even because I know that, but there's a certain percentage um, capacity that they can use and I don't again. These are all outdoor venues. How is that gonna? How would that translate to an indoor venue? I guess that's that's kind of the the, the crux of it, I guess. Right. So, all right. Um. So with that, um, we're gonna go ahead and close out this first part of the fan forum, uh, folks. Uh, just uh, thank you very much for joining us for this first part. We uh, I do hope we we keep we hold, hold on to all of you for the second part of this. As always, you can watch episodes. Watch episodes. Listen to them. Just you know, if you you can watch them. In your, anyway, um, listen to episodes of the Horizon Roundtable uh, wherever podcasts are found. HorizonRoundtable.com, and you can pull them up on your Amazon or Google devices. Um, so stay tuned for next week, where we will have part two of the uh, of the Fall Fan Forum. Um, other than that, thank you for listening.